0: If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano,
1: Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. You just found the world's number one fitness, health, and entertainment podcast. This is Mind Pump. Right in today's episode, we actually did a review of another workout program. So German volume training, very popular workout program. It's been around forever. And we actually borrowed lots of the principles of this program and many other effective programs to design our MAPS workout. So we actually break it down. We break down GVT training, do some critiques, give you the pros and the cons. We know you're going to love this episode. Now, this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, LMNT. Now, they are an electrolyte powder done right. It's got the right amount of sodium, the right amount of magnesium, the right amount of potassium, and it tastes amazing and it's not artificially flavored, and I get better pumps and better performance when I use this product. Compare the electrolytes to LMNT to other electrolyte powders, and you'll see there's a huge difference. Also, because you listen to Mind Pump, you can try it out for free. So head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Mind Pump. Just pay for shipping and get a free sample pack of their product. Also, all month long, all month long for the month of September, MAPS Performance and MAPS suspension are 50% off. Go sign up or go just go check them out at mapsfitnessproducts.com. Just use the code SEPTEMBER50. That's September 50 with no space for that discount. You know, one of the most I'd say common messages that we get emails, because we get a lot of emails right for from people who follow our programs, and they have questions or they make comments and a common one of course and not to toot our own horn but I'm going to do it right now anyway is about just <laughs> mm-hmm. how effective the workouts are and oh my gosh I'm getting great results and how this works really well is yeah no <laughs> not not that specifically but really just how effective the workouts are and it's because we're geniuses no that's not why the the reason why they're so effective and this is what I tell these people is that we it's not like we invented Uh, you know, workouts or what's effective, but rather we stand on the shoulders of giants, right? There are lots of effective programs that have been out there. Some of them came from the weightlifting world or the powerlifting world, sometimes even bodybuilding principles. And they've been around for a long time and they've shown incredible uh, effectiveness. And of course, we've trained people for so long that we see what works and what doesn't work. And that's how we're able to put you know our programs together and make them so effective. Well, I think
2: it's just that it's that between the three of us, um, there's not too many, especially good programs out there that exist that one of us, if not all of us, has either one trained ourselves, read about, and/or applied to, to lots of clients. Yeah, yes. you know, a good pool of people so that we could then test and see like, oh, this works really well. Oh, this doesn't work well. Or oh, I felt this difference. Oh, I didn't notice that. Or oh, this makes a lot of sense. And so. I think that's I mean that's really where that's where maps is maps has been has been born from all of that experience all that knowledge of others well before us cuz nothing that we created in any of those programs is revolutionary or new in fact that's actually one of the the biggest critiques that we always yes, have to deal yeah. with when we when we get people the first thing they do if they open it and they're used to you know fancy programs that are have weird exercises and are unique yes. that are like wait a second these are like the most fundamental movements. I already yeah. know all these. Exercises. Well, even
3: then we've experimented with all those new concepts and a lot of the, you know, flash of the pan type of things mm-hmm. that come through and realize like, uh, you know, the efficacy of those things. Like it's, you go, always go back to those fundamental principles that you get from uh, specific types of programming from the strength world, from the bodybuilding world that actually work with your clients. So like, just stick to the basics.
1: Yeah. And they, and they stand the test of time. Right. Um, and one of the cool things about, you know, because we're all old enough to remember the fitness world before the internet and after the internet, and there's been some changes. One of the changes with the internet is you get lots of people can come together and communicate. Well, this works and this doesn't work, and so old training methods or programs, which in the ma- the, the fitness space that was dominated by magazines, oftentimes would get hidden because. The magazines, there was no, they didn't make any money promoting some of these basic things. Like why would they, why would they even promote them? They're not going to be able to sell supplements with them or whatever. But when the internet came along and you got, you know, fitness forums and stuff, people were like, you know, this old training method, I tried it and it works. Someone else was like, oh my God, this is really effective. And you see some of these stand the test of time. And so what I'd like to do, and I don't know if this will become a series, but I'd like to kind of cover uh, some of these programs that are actually really good and that, some of the the concepts and program that we applied in MAPS came from some of these old programs that we kind of learned from. I love this idea. So the first one, in, and this is a popular training program. It's been around for a long time. I can remember certain bodybuilders talking about borrowing concepts from this particular type of training in the 80s in, in, in particular, uh, the, this program is called German Volume Training, or GVT, is how you'll pe- see people refer to it. And we've actually gotten over the years quite a few questions about. GVT. I'd say it's top five. I'd say it's top five
2: that we get asked about, like what we what we think about this program. Yeah, and yeah. I, I remember the first time that I, I I went through it, and I never like. I never bought a uh, a program or a book that was, and I followed GVT like I remember reading all about the principles behind it and like going like oh at this point in my career yep. a lot of the stuff made a lot of sense and I'm like oh this is cool so I've always applied uh the principles uh, of GVT and I've had great results from it so it's definitely up there with one of my favorite programs outside of maps that that's out there on the internet.
1: Yeah. And I'd I'd like to break it down. Now, obviously I think it originated uh, in Germany. Um, I did, I first did GVT uh, years ago. I think I was like 19 years old and I read about it and I can't remember what bodybuilder talked about applying some of the principles. And I thought this is so simple and basic. And then I thought, well, I, I wonder if something simple and basic like this can have some good effects. So I have a lot of experience uh, with GVT. I actually applied a lot of the principles throughout the years in my training and some of my clients' training. So let's kind of run down the the principles of of GVT, um, German Volume Training, and you know the pros and cons, I guess, uh, of each of them and why you know why we borrowed some of these uh, some of these concepts. So the first part of GVT, if you ever follow German Volume Training, one of the things you'll notice is that there's a heavy emphasis on Fundamental primary yeah. movements. A yeah, handful of exercises. Yeah, so like the main there, ones. There's a lot of focus on squats and deadlifts and overhead presses and you know bench presses and rows and just some of these basic you know exercises that we've talked about so many times on the show. As being, you know, the most bang for your buck exercise. They're just so effective at building strength and muscle in comparison to other exercises. Which,
2: by the way, this is the critique that we get about Maps. This yes. is what one of the first things I remember when we released Maps Anabolic. That Especially we get, Maps Anabolic, yeah, because Maps Anabolic has mostly this. This is what it is built around. The whole thing is really built around these core compound lifts that give you the big the biggest bang for your buck. And the idea for us, and that's why it's the first program, is listen, if we're getting somebody who is either one, never lifted or has been out of the gym for a long time and they're starting their routine, these are the core movements that they should build their entire routine on. And it should stay that way. Like this should be the core. Now, there's lots of value of going outside of that down the road. But they definitely don't ever want to stray too far from these movements because they'll forever reap benefits Dude, from it.
1: I, as I, 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 the first time I figured this out, you know, I was a kid working out, wanted to build muscle, and you know, I was one of the few people my age who actually thought that I should train my legs. I know a lot of guys when you start working out, you don't even think about working out your legs. It's not beach muscles, but I wanted to work out my legs because I was just I was skinny all over, and I knew I'd gain more weight if I did that, so I did. Leg press and hack squat and leg extension and leg curls and every leg machine in the gym. And I did, I got some gains and I gained some strength and, you know, it was okay. And then, and I talk about the story because this was just so impactful. I was in there working out and I'm doing leg press and I am intense, man. I am a kid and I'm going after it. And there was this group of older power lifters and they were squatting and the whole leg workout, right? So my whole leg workout took an hour and I did, I don't know, seven different exercises. All they did was squat. Was squat, <laughs> and these guys were jack. They were some of the biggest dudes I'd ever seen in person in my entire life. And they noticed me because of the intensity that I was applying, just like I do now as an adult,
2: right? You see a kid working out really hard. You normally go over. That's normally the kid I go over and say something to.
1: Yeah, Because yeah. I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, that's they're putting so much effort. So one of the guys comes over and he's like, man, what you're really going hard? And I was like, what's your goal? I'm like, I'm trying to get big. And you know, he goes, why aren't you in the cage? I'm like, why? Why should I be in the cage? He goes. Just squat, just do squats. He goes here, come over here, let me have you do some squats and see how you feel. And I did. It was the first time I ever did them. And he said, "Here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus only on squats for a long time and watch what happens." That summer, just no joke. And that, that was I also did deadlifts. That was the first time I did deadlifts as well. That summer, I gained 12 pounds, which is a lot of weight for literally just like,
2: squatting and deadlifting.
1: Oh yeah, I was like a 16 year old kid. I remember I, th- I th- or 15. I went from sophomore to junior year, and I showed up, and everybody's like, "What happened to you?" And that's the first time that I learned that some extra, exor- not all exercises are created equal. And I could do four exercises, and they would not equal the effectiveness of yeah. this one super effective exercise. Speaking
3: uh, too from like an athletic perspective, and in, in the athletic world, uh, I feel like it really shifted um, away from these fundamental. Type of core lifts that really uh, generate the most amount of force, which um, I think athletes have have you know, unfortunately, strayed away from because of the the coaching and the programming, because of this myth around like m- being muscle bound yeah. and, and being too big and not being as is functional and really where uh, th- this applies, the, these these basic type of exercises do the best job of building overall strength in comparison to a lot of the functional exercises, athletic specificity type of exercises, um, which was really what the athlete pulls from uh, and then builds upon. So if you don't build upon this core foundational
2: strength, you're not going to be at that peak level that you could achieve. Well, this is so core. It's so important that... Quickly, I'll dismiss another program that somebody wants me to look at when I see this is missing. Totally. Like, I don't even need- Easy. I don't even need to read the whole fucking thing. If you hand me the first couple of days of working and you're not out- practicing these lifts and, often. And these are yeah. in there, or one maybe is in there out of all, and like the rest is all these creative exercises that they've got that they put in there or different, you know? Right away, I'll, I will tell somebody this person doesn't know a lot about programming because they're missing some of the biggest bang for your buck movements. And yep. so, to me, that's one of the quickest ways to be able to look at a program and know, okay. And so, and then the same is true that if I see that they have these in there, okay, now I'm intrigued. I'm going to read further. I'm going to go, go exactly. deeper into this programming because if they already built it around the core, I already know they're ahead of like 90% of the programs that are out there on the internet. So,
1: exactly. In fact, every program that people talk about, by name as being effective muscle builders, not like, Oh, bodybuilders work out the ones that people always mention. This is one of the things that all have in common is they do place a special emphasis on these core lifts. And this is one big thing that you find in the maps programs is they focus. I don't care which program of ours you follow. And they're all very different. All of them. This is one component is that there's core lifts in there. That you focus on because they just they just give you the most.
2: And I, I think it's important the audience knows too. Like I as being completely transparent, I mean, as a young kid and trainer even, I, I strayed away from that for many years. It wasn't until way later did I come back and, and really and apply it to so many clients. There's, we talk about on the show all the time about we were we were better to our clients than we were ourselves with training because I fell in that trap of doing all these crazy exercises on time and neglecting these core movements. It wasn't until way later in my career, it wasn't actually our lo- long before we all met that I was just piecing it together. And it was the big selling point when you had me look at Maps Anabolic when you and Doug had already put it together and you said, hey, could you take a look at this? And that was what got me on the phone was I said at that point in my career, I had really just pieced that together like this is a program should be built around this. And I remember opening up and being like, oh, my God, okay, I want to talk to him on the phone.
1: Now, the next point about German volume training is probably the most characteristic, uh, you know, feature of this program. This is probably what people know the most about it, which is doing 10 sets of 10 reps of many of these primary exercises. That's really the big, like, what differentiates German volume training from other forms of training. By the way, German volume training probably borrowed that from Olympic lifting, okay? Because if you look at Olympic lifting, which I've made this argument before and I'll make it all day long, The most scientific strength training programming you'll find anywhere in the world is Olympic lifting. Because it's being in the Olympics, they treat it as a skill as and a something science. that you
3: need to practice continuously. Yes. And that's like an added value of what they're promoting with this program is just that amount of sets, that amount of reps, like really honing in on that movement skill.
2: Yes. Well, and I think that's the key takeaway that we obviously all of us picked up from that. Now, we apply ours more with frequency and maps, right? So, but we take that same concept and that's what we talk about on the show all the time is that, it's the it's practice. The practice of the movement that is so valuable. Now, they've, and I love the idea, and I, I love doing this with somebody, especially I love doing this with clients that were new because I wanted to get them good at squatting. I want to get them good at deadlifting, and nothing better than to just stay focused on that one movement for 20 plus minutes or 30 minutes of the workout. That's all we're doing because it's going to take at least that much time if you're doing 10 sets of this exercise. Uh, so
1: something that people forget, and this is a big mistake, it's a mistake I made, I think everybody makes is, it, until you become very experienced is that you look at workouts and you forget that it's a skill. Like, you know, if I play a sport, no, everybody knows a sport is a skill. Like you play any sport and people realize that the exertion and the sweat and the soreness is secondary. Really the the, the primary thing is there's a skill involved. Football is football because there's a skill to throwing and catching and and running and the way that you you operate in the sport, same thing with basketball, soccer, all of them make you you know sweat. All of them make you burn calories. But what makes soccer soccer and football football and basketball basketball is the skill, right? All of a sudden, you go to the gym and it's all out the window. It has nothing to do with skill. It's all about hammering my legs, hammering my shoulders, it's about getting through it. It's about soreness and sweat. You see this with uh, running. People do this with running all the time. They say, "Oh, I'm going to start getting in better shape. I'm going to go run." Forgetting that running is a skill. And so what do they do? They go and run until they're tired. Form is crap, terrible biomechanics. And this is why running is, has one of the highest injury rates of all forms of exercise. It's not because humans weren't made to run. In fact, we evolved to run. We're the best running animals on the planet when it comes to distance. But it's a skill. And if you forget that skill and you don't treat it like a skill, getting better at it, you're going to hurt yourself. It's not going to be effective. The same thing with exercise. How do you get better at a skill? You practice it often. So if I want to go in the gym and I'm going to work out and I want to do, I'm going to work my legs out and I know the best exercise is squats and I, I should get good at squats. So instead of doing two sets of, you know, a bunch of different exercises, what if I did 10 sets of just squats, right? You get better at squats very quickly and you get a lot of that return from the squats. This is again one of the most uh, characteristic things about German volume training and I think this is the one of the primary reasons why when people try it they're like, "Oh my gosh, I get tremendous gains." What did what was borrowed in maps? Adam, you hit the nail on the head. You practice those primary lifts often. You do more sets of squats, deadlifts, presses and rows in a MAPS program than you do of any other exercise. And the way that it's presented in MAPS is rather than doing 10 sets, you may do five sets, but you're doing it three days a week. Frequently. So 15 sets in that entire week. And again, this was borrowed from Olympic lifters. I think this was after the Soviet Union collapsed. We started learning about their training methodologies. And you saw these Olympic lifters practicing over and over and over again and just getting so good. Well, and you get strong quickly doing that. You show me
2: a person who eats well and can perform those five main lifts with beautiful form. And I'll show you a great physique. Mm -hmm. Almost always, right? Yeah. If they yeah. eat well and and that's and that's pretty Just relative to it. it doesn't need to be perfect. Just yeah. they eat good. They don't eat like an asshole, uh-huh. right? And they and they don't go. They don't abuse food and eat well, well over their calories and they're balanced and eat their protein like they're supposed to. That person and if they have they they have a beautiful squat, a beautiful deadlift, a beautiful shoulder press. I will show you a great physique. Yep. Show me somebody where those two things are at and the present, and they don't have a beautiful physique. No,
1: hun, I, I will stand by that statement all day long. All right. So one of the other characteristics of German volume training, and this isn't necessarily different from other programming, but they do place an emphasis on 90-second rest periods in between sets of these primary lifts. So if you're doing 10 sets, you're doing a set, you're resting 90 seconds, you're doing another set, and so on. They do say 60 seconds for what are called accessory lifts, which are like more of your isolation lifts, but other- otherwise they do place an emphasis on about 90 seconds.
2: I'll tell you where that's very different. This was one of the things we talk about assessing a program pretty quick and then dismissing it. This was one of the things that made me dismiss CrossFit so fast mm-hmm. was because they didn't put emphasis on longer rest periods yeah. with these compound lifts. Mm-hmm. That is one of the things. And I think that's actually a very important staple uh, point that they make in this programming is that when you're doing these compound lifts, you should be getting <laughs> adequate rest. Could would you do it in 30 seconds back to back? Yeah, you could. Would that build a gas tank and stamina by from doing that? Sure. But then it defeats the-, rest the
3: period determines a pure strength focus. Right. It, and, it does. And, and that's something that, yeah, you have to have that emphasis on that in order to adapt properly in that direction. Otherwise, we're convoluting that signal to the body uh, and and we're fighting the fact that is this endurance, is this strength, is I'm I'm trying to kind of uh, adapt to both at the same time.
2: Now, the the major difference between uh, GVT here and like maps is that we play with all the rest periods. Yes. So we we see there's tremendous value in lower rest periods and even longer rest periods, and then the body's going to adapt to whatever rest period that you're doing on a regular basis, and we know that phasing in and out of that is even more value to that person.
1: That's the, So what you're kind of moving towards is the Achilles heel of uh, any effective workout, which is eventually, even no matter how well-programmed it is, if you always do it over and over again, it stops working. So speaking to rest periods... There, you know, generally speaking, 90 seconds is a good rest period, but there, that doesn't mean there isn't value to a 30 second rest period, and that doesn't mean there isn't value to a three minute rest period. Sure. So it's important to incorporate all of those in your programming. And so what you know, what you find in maps programs, and and one of the reasons why we have we created so many different maps programs is specifically so people can move from one to the next one. And then what you experience is 90-second rest periods, three-minute rest periods, 30-second rest periods, along with variations in the way exercises are put together and reps and all that stuff. So, so that rest period recommendation is good, especially with this type of training. And I'll say from experience, by the way, 10 sets of 10 reps, 90 seconds does not feel like very no, long. it goes oh. fast. Yes, it does. It's actually, it, you, it does kind of hammer your stamina a little but bit. But also
3: you need that adequate rest to be able to then perform your next yes. set, right? And to be able to do that. Uh, with, with good form and technique and so like that that's another factor to that where you don't want to just jump back into
2: that exercise uh, with any uh, bit of fatigue. I kind of feel like they had to do 90 seconds, right? because uh, obviously even longer rest periods for a strength focused program would be even more ideal generally speaking. Yeah. But you extend a, a program that's built around 10 by ten and you do two minute three minute rest. Imagine how long the workouts long. Are. Yeah. So it's a you, long workout. Yeah, now you got a three-hour workout, and so I think ninety seconds is probably the minimum amount of rest that you'd want to give this this type of training, or the maximum. Yeah, also, yeah, right. And so I think that's that, and because you go much longer, then it's going to
1: extend the, the oh, pro- yeah. program uh, out. These workouts actually take a while. They don't look like it because there's one exercise, you yeah. know, or two you're doing. Well, like that's three why exercises. I have
3: to condense it down to the the biggest bang for your buck exercise. Well, yeah, yeah.
1: if you do two just two of these foundational movements in a workout yeah, and you're an doing te- it's 20 sets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah. it's a long it takes workout. A while it does. Here's the next point. This is where people get confused. And this is where I messed up the first few times I tried German volume training. And then I went back and corrected this. And this is the difference between this kind of workout, not being effective and this kind of workout being very effective. Here's the key. You only add weight to the bar if you can perform all 10 reps on all sets. And never going to failure. And by the way, you don't go to failure. So they, they do advocate stopping about two reps short of failure. You've heard us say that a billion times. You'll see that in every single MAPS program. You'll also see in every MAPS program that we give you a rep range, and you have to adjust your weight because the goal is to stay in that rep range. So here's what happens when you try German volume training. You go to do your 10 by 10, and inevitably you you miscalculate. Yeah. You
2: think you think I'm gonna pick a weight that I could easily do 10 to 15 reps, which you're not factoring in as rep or set six, seven, eight, nine. You're gonna be fatigued and you're gonna have to start. I normally tell people half. Yeah. So yeah. if you got a weight it's much lower than you think. If you got a weight that you know you can move 10 times relatively easy, easily get to 10, you know you can get 10 right now, cold or whatever, 50% of that. Yeah. Start there. Because you're going to be surprised when you get to sets 7, 8, and 9 that you're going to be struggling to
1: get 10 out. Actually, I did. A, I remember a workout where I did this. I said, oh, I'm going to do this with deadlifts. I'm going to do 10 by 10 with deadlifts. And I picked a weight that I thought I should be able to do 10. It wasn't 50%, right? So I didn't think to myself, pick a weight I could do 20 with. I thought, eh, I could do like 15. That should be good for all 10 sets. And it's it was one of the most it was one of those workouts that you remember because it set me back like two weeks because it was just too much. I, after I was done, I remember, and of course, you know, when you put it in your head, like I'm going to finish this workout, I did and I was fucked for yeah. a while. In fact, I couldn't deadlift for like two weeks and it was a learning lesson to me where it was like, okay, you, when you're doing something like this, you got to make sure you start easy and so now people, here's the peop, the question people will, will, will have and they'll have this with some of our programs is, well, the first sets are easy then. That's okay. Yeah, You're training the central nervous system just as much as you're training the muscles. And that volume adds up and, believe me, it makes a big difference. And it doesn't mean that those early sets were a waste of time. They're also very valuable. So the way it feels is easy until it's not anymore by the time you get to, like you said, set six or seven.
2: I can't remember if it was GVT that was the first place that I actually read um, somebody actually advocating for two reps short of failure. It might've been GVT, I can't remember if it was or not, but I do remember this being one of the most pivotal moments or game changer moments in in my career was actually doing that. Because up until this point, I was always training to failure or using a yeah. spotter. And I thought, oh my God, doing a whole workout where I'm stopping two reps short of failure, I'm not gonna get the results. Yep. And I remember getting stronger and stronger every week, every day I came back to the gym, by doing that and forever change the way I look at it. So this is
3: psychologically challenging. (laughs) Totally. Right? Because it's very much of an ego check because you realize you really do have to reduce that load. You have to reduce the weight to get through and perform it correctly. So, uh, to, to not do that because we've been drilled in our head by like so many different marketing machines out there that we need to, to put and exert as much, uh, effort as possible every single time you're in the gym and lifting. And so this is like very much more calculated, methodical, scientific. And so you just have to, you
1: know, come into it with that. There's, Two ways you can apply this. One is much more advanced; will hammer your body more. The other one is probably more appropriate for most people. So here's the first one: your weight adjusts with each set. You're always stopping two reps short of failure. The cons of that is it's you're doing ten sets of two reps before failure is hard, and figuring the weight out can be difficult. So if you're advanced and you know your body, you might be able to do this. Here's the other way of doing it; it's more more appropriate for most people. Start with about 50% of the weight. In other words, start with a weight you know you could do 20 with and then just stick to that and do 10. So that means that the first four or five sets are easy. And then you start to get to two reps before failure towards the end of that particular 10-set workout. That's best for most people. You'll see that in some of our programs where like MAPS Powerlift, for example, uses percentages where you start to use that. In other programs, you'll hear us say, in the program, ten, two reps short of failure on every single set. Right. Both have value. Uh, although if you're doing this particular type of workout, I do think for most people start with the 50, 60% of what you think and then just stick to that, even though it's easy mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning. All right, so the the next one. And so we already talked about the the starting weight, which I think is important. The next one is accessory exercises. You can put in accessory exercises in this type of programming. I've seen... German volume training where they do no accessory lifts. So it's all primary lifts. Like, you know, day one is, you know, squat and bench press or whatever and and so on. And then I've seen others where they'll do that. And then they'll throw in like two or three sets of like, you'll do a set of flies or you'll do, you know, some curls or maybe some rear laterals, that type of stuff. When you do the accessory lifts, German volume training says at the most do three sets of those 10 to 20 reps. I like this advice because that's exactly the way accessory lifts should be used. there's a there's a reason why they're called accessory lifts. They're a great way to add volume, get a little bit more of a pump. But they should not be the bulk of the volume of your workout. The bulk of the volume should be those main lifts. And what you find in MAPS programs often is exactly that. Unless there's a specific phase in some of our programs, there's a specific phase where we flip that on its head and it's primarily for the adaptation purposes.
2: Well, the truth is if you do a really good job and you're practicing and you get stronger in all these big lifts, you're going to hit all the secondary muscles too. So it's not like you do bench press, you get really good. It's not just your chest. Yeah. Shoulders and triceps are very much so involved in that. And let me tell you, if you see, if you never did a shoulder workout or a tricep or another like a specific isolation exercise for shoulders or triceps, but you watched your bench press go up 50 to 75 pounds, I guarantee your shoulders and triceps get bigger. Oh, yeah. So that's going to happen as a byproduct of you getting really good at these lifts. So it doesn't take very much of this accessory. This was another thing that took me a really long time to piece together. As a kid, I was, and you know what? I'll tell you, being honest what what kept me from this was the the compound lifts were hard. Yeah. They were hard. 10 made, sets of squats they may exhausted. Yeah. yeah. They're much were, more demanding. They were yeah. de- they were difficult to perform perfect. Uh they exhausted me. Uh they were hard they were hard to do and it was really easy to walk over to a cable machine and do some pushdowns or yeah. sit down on a preacher curl machine and do some cable curls. Like that stuff And I could do lots of it. So I felt like, oh, I'm doing a lot of stuff, so that's as good, but it's just not. You just do not get as much benefit from those core lifts. So building it mostly around that, and oh, okay, if I have a little extra time, I've got this accessory work. And this is actually more like how I train today. Many times I'll go in the gym and only do... One or two of these core lifts, and not do any accessory work, and then hey, on the days when I'm feeling really good, mm-hmm. I'm training all my, I'm training my my foundational stuff, and then I'm also touching some yes. isolation exercises. Now,
1: I do want to be clear: like most things in fitness, there's truths, but there's also caveats. Okay, is there value to doing lots of angles of exercises and different varieties of movements? Yes, there definitely can be. You see this often in advanced bodybuilder training where they go in and they do seven different exercises, hitting different angles of the muscle, really good for squeezing out a pump, really good for connecting to certain muscle groups. So let's say you have poor connection to your chest. There may be some value in doing some cable flies to really connect and squeeze that muscle. So there is value, especially if all you ever do are the core lifts. Like if all you ever do are squats and then I say, okay, you've been six months, only doing squats, which is great, and you've gotten great results, let's try Let's try throwing a little bit of leg extension and some leg curls or some sissy squats, and all of a sudden the person's like, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm squeezing out new muscle growth. So there definitely is value in that. And again, the Achilles heel of this program, like any program, is it's the same thing over and over again, and you miss the potential benefit. This is why, again, in our MAPS programs, generally speaking, it's focused on the core lifts, but there are phases in some of our programs especially the more advanced bodybuilding focused programs where you do see a lot of variation with accessory lifts especially in a program like maps split maps aesthetic on the focus sessions like i don't think focus sessions will be valuable if you're doing compound lifts on the focus days like that's a great way to overtrain right but if you go in to add extra you know frequency and you're doing some leg extensions or some laterals for your shoulders Now there's some value, you know, to doing some of these. So it's definitely true, but there are some, you know, caveats. All right, here's the next one. Um, GVT training typically recommends that you hit each body part for every four to five days. Some people say every seven days. So chest once every four or five days or once every seven days. Back once every, you know, four to seven days, right? And the now, reason why they
2: can get away from get away with this, only
1: training, uh, you know, one time in a week, is because of how much volume they're getting, yes, you know, yes. hence the name. Now, here's where I'll I digress a little bit or I move a little bit from. I see more value and I've seen more value in my clients with taking that volume and breaking it up and increasing the frequency. I just do. Now, here's why, right? You're doing all 10 sets of squats in one workout. Let me tell you, that is And you're doing that once a week is very fatiguing. It's very challenging. There's value to it, but oftentimes form goes down it fries your body a little too much. Your body starts to worry more about healing than it does with adapting. In my experience, I've seen people get better results doing five on one day and five on another day. So they're hitting the squats twice a week. Each time you practice the squats, you get more, you're more fresh and you have better form. Not saying you can't get value from the one, you know, 10 set workout, but in my experience, a little more frequency seems to be better for most Not people. Not to
3: mention the the time length of the workouts too to get yeah. through is just like it, that all adds up when you're doing that many sets and that many reps, and you're you're doing it with the appropriate amount of of rest in between. Uh, you know, I found that. Um, uh, A lot of times, you know, for people in their schedule too, especially to be able to break that up in chunks and then spread that out throughout the week actually like plays a lot more, uh, you know, effectively within the way that they can approach
2: it. Well, speaking of scheduling this, the main reason why I liked, you know, frequency two, three times a week. And so if you do, if you're hitting a muscle group two to three times a week, you are doing either an upper lower split or you're doing a full body routine. That's basically what you're doing. And what I have found in my experience with training clients, especially, is the inevitable happens. Rarely ever does someone not miss a day. Like life happens. Such a good point. And they miss a day. When you are, are training a program that's a, a one body part per day type of routine and you miss that one day, screwed. it yeah. throws everything off. And now off. you're behind on everything. Or what it actually tends to happen is uh, I miss legs and I don't like legs. It's so that just, one body part you don't like. Yeah. Have to it's train. The, you, you, you conveniently always miss the days that you don't like training. And so I just think that. That's where bad habits start to happen. And what I have found with a full body type or an upper lower split with clients is that, oh, if they missed one day in that week, it's okay. I'm I'm never letting a week go by when I know that their entire body isn't getting hit at least once, if not twice. You are
1: so correct. I I want to emphasize this point because I know people watch, oh, I won't miss a workout. Look, inevitably in 60 days, you might miss two workouts or three. What if all those two workouts was shoulders or chest, right? But if you're working the whole body and you're doing it frequently, the damage is much lower. And this is something that we need to consider whenever we follow a program. We can't just think what's in front of us. We have to think long-term. Which program is – do I mitigate the potential damage of the inevitable the most? What if I get hurt? What if I get sick? What if I have an event? I can't make a workout. This is important because ultimately at the end of – you know, at a year or two years or however long you plan on training, which hopefully is the rest of your life – you develop a more balanced physique with more frequent training. With body part splits, you know what you tend to find, except for the super ridiculous fanatical, what you tend to find, honestly, are more often than not lagging body parts. And it's typically those body parts that don't like to train and oh, when they miss a workout, that's the body part that they don't end up training. That's
2: why you can't. We can't only argue the science. That's important. And if you're a good trainer, you need to know the science that supports. Yeah, what, but don't when,
1: ignore the other stuff. You can't
2: ignore the behavioral part. And there's. And in fact, I would make the case that that part's even more important. It is. So you have to understand the tendencies of most people and what ends up happening. And so, and that took me again years of training clients to start to piece it together. Sure, on paper. You can make the case for why this is perfect or this program is amazing, but then I also have to take into consideration, okay, now when I take a pool of 100 random people and I apply this to them, what percentage of them follow to a T? And if they don't follow to a T, how detrimental is it if they miss this or miss that or cheat this or don't do that? You got to factor that in.
1: In fitness, especially the the hardcore, maybe the academics or the, the super trainers or whatever have been doing it for a while. They tend to focus on the the science too much and they ignore what actually yeah, happens behavior. in the real world. You know, I remember as a trainer, early trainer, right? If somebody came to me and said, hey, Sal, I'm going to do a cardio in the morning. Which one do you think is the best? And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do 30 minutes every morning. Which one's the best? I would pick the one that I know that burns the most calories. Oh, you should go run on a treadmill that burns the most calories. Later on as a trainer... I realized that that actually was not important at all. What was important was which one's going to be the most consistent That's for them. Right. So then I would reply and I'd say, actually, what do you like to do the most? Do that one. Because I know over six months or a year or whatever, you're going to get in better shape from doing the one that you like the most because you're going to be the most consistent. you
3: be better retentive with if it. If
1: you don't consider this, you're going to screw yourself. The behavioral aspect of it is the number one reason why people don't work out. It's the number one reason why people... Don't hit their goals. It's the number one reason why problems happen. It's actually it's ranked higher than the science of the actual workout uh, itself. All right. The last point that they'll typically make in, in GVT training is the tempo. And I think they they do a good job of this. And they say, you know, people who advocate for it, Charles Poliqu- uh, Poliquin used to talk about this and he would say, make sure you do a four second negative on your lifts or maybe three second negatives on the accessory lifts. You know, I agree with that. I think, generally speaking, doing a four-second or maybe even a three-second negative, it's going to point you in the right direction more often than not. Now, here's the, the con or the drawback. It ignores the fact that there's benefits to other tempos. Is there a benefit from a faster, more explosive tempo? Duh. Of course, especially athletic applications, but if you're experienced, you can build a lot of muscle doing that. What about an even slower tempo? What if you did a seven or eight second negative, or pause at the bottom of a rep. Is there value in that? Absolutely. And we tend to ignore it when we only look at, oh, just three to four seconds, and we miss this whole Th- this whole other area that can benefit us
2: generally speaking though this is one of the things that i actually loved about gvt that they did put emphasis on this cuz a lot of programs don't put any emphasis on that they don't or- say it at all do yeah they? they don't talk about it at all and i remember from when i learned this and then i went and applied it and th- and i talk about it on the show all the time like i still to this day go go to the gym yeah, look- try and find somebody that's yeah, performing yes show me a 4 second way. negative Go in the gym and you will not I definitely, if you might find a person, you won't find five. Yeah. You will not find a handful of people that are truly doing a four second negative. And that's so important to building muscle and strength. Yes, all the other tempos have value, but if you're not even doing one of the most important tempos to build muscle and strength, you're really missing out. So I remember going and applying and feeling like oh and feeling my the workouts for like the next month. I was like, it felt like I just started all over yes. again.
3: Yeah, well, I just like the emphasis on that slow controlled yeah. uh because I just feel like it helps you to really focus in on what you're doing and be present in your lifts and, and really emphasizing technique and, and being aware of your body and the signals it's providing you. Uh, so again, with beginners, but also even advanced lifters, this is something that uh, you know creates massive benefit and also helps to break down muscles to rebuild
1: them up quite effectively. Right. However, right, if you just do this, you are ignoring the value of other tempos. And right. there is... Yep. Value. I tell you what, if you've been working, especially if you're experienced and you've been training a while and you got good control, go try some explosive lifts. Tell me that you don't all of a sudden develop some muscle. It's a
2: perfect example of taking somebody, probably bodybuilders are the closest to following this to a team, right? Mm -hmm. Like really doing a four second, you know, eccentric or negative portion of the exercise, right? They're they're probably the best or most consistent, I should say, with that tempo. You take a bodybuilder who's never trained like maps performance type style of exactly, training, and it, it will completely blow and change their body because they've they've gotten so good at training that one tempo all the time that doing something more explosive will absolutely send a new signal to the body to grow and adapt. Yes.
1: Now here's some here's some cons to uh, to GVT training. And again, I have a lot of experience following it and and doing the programming and. Now, one is the Achilles heel of any program, which is eventually, you do the same thing over and over again, your body just doesn't respond anymore. So like any program, Mm -hmm. at some point, you're going to probably have to move and try something different. For me, that usually looked like the 60 to 90-day period. Usually after about 90 days, whatever I was doing, no matter how great it was, kind of stopped you know, yeah, it sort of tapers off after a bit. It does. And so, again, if you if you look at our programs, if you, were to, if you were to go to mapsfitnessproducts.com, you'll find a lot of different workout programs. We actually design them in an order that we'd like people to follow them. And yeah. this is just our integrity as trainers. To be quite honest, if we just wanted to sell workout programs, the very first program we would have released would have been like Maps Hit. Well, it's right? interesting, very
3: too, because uh, I think the perception is that we created these programs just to fit you know, certain types of people. When, in fact, we created all these different types of programs to expose people to more options of training that they need to incorporate right. instead yes. of just sticking with the same uh, formula every single time. And and this is this is a mold we've been trying to break on this show is to expose people to value in pursuing completely different types
2: of on that point. I want to point this out since you went there and you said that uh, we do because I get this question all the time in my DMs. On the Mind Pump Media IG, where the highlights are, um, I know that uh, Chokey had you write all the ideal orders of the program yes. based off your goal. So whatever your goal is, here's the, or- the ideal order. Now, that doesn't mean you can't go this one to that one. That's what's great about it. You absolutely can do that. But when we wrote them, we wrote them with this intent of if I had a clean slate... And I wanted to. And this client, he wanted everything: build muscle, lose body fat, be mobile, longevity, Aesthetics, all the above. The whole yeah, deal. yeah, they wanted the they wanted the ideal version of themselves that had possessed all these attributes. How would I take them through these training programs? We've written them in an order like that.
1: Yeah. So your body gets used to it if you always do the same thing, and so you want to change it up after you know sixty to ninety days. And our maps programs tend to be about sixty to ninety days long. Also, again, psychologically. Things also can get boring, so it's fun to move into a different focus. Well, now I'm focusing a little bit more on mobility. Now I'm focusing more on powerlifting. Now I'm doing more strongman-inspired type workouts. Now I'm doing more bodybuilding type workouts. If your goal is to train your body forever, if this is something that you wanna do for the rest of your life, which is a great mentality towards exercise, I think the wrong mentality is I'm gonna get in shape and then stop, that doesn't make any sense, right? If you wanna do it forever, it's a good idea to weave in and out of different styles of training. Your body's only going to progress better uh, as a result of it. And which takes me to the next one. And this is the big thing that I noticed from GVT is I would start to get a little bit of nagging, you know, pain in certain parts of my body. Now, why was this happening to me? Well, here's what happens. If I only ever do squats, If my form is off by 1%, which is almost impossible to notice, especially in yourself, right? It can actually look perfect, but there's a little bit of instability in the hip and a little bit of instability in the ankle. Or maybe my lateral strength isn't so great, but I always do squats and my squat weight keeps going up, 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 up. Eventually, I run into this wall where... That little problem now is what's preventing me from progressing. And then you start to get like IT band tightness. Oh, my, my back is a little tight on the right side. What's going on? So the fact that GVT is a bit limited with its planes of motion, uh, it can cause it can at least exacerbate or or increase your risk of injury. Well, well, yeah. As you get stronger, it just it just makes that gap bigger. Yes, right. Like when you first start. Yes.
2: You're, you know, you're kind of weak in the sagittal plane. You're kind of weak in the frontal plane. There's not a big discrepancy there. You might not notice any joint pain. You don't have any injuries issues going on. But as you get stronger and stronger and stronger just in the sagittal plane, then you create a greater discrepancy. So now you have a lot of power Forward, which are really weak, left and right, which that's where injury tends to occur. That's where chronic pain normally starts to reveal itself, and that is the one drawback of like following just a a, a, like kind of a powerlifting type of a program where you're just for just focusing mainly on the core. We're just
3: not expressing uh, the true potential movement patterns that the joint is capable of, and. And, you know, that that's just something that uh, you get really, like you say, you get really strong uh, and that that signal keeps getting louder and louder, but we haven't brought up uh, the, the secondary, you know, support muscle groups
2: that help to keep everything uh, in its proper position and, and healthy joint function. Which, to that exact point, is the reason why, one, I wouldn't want someone to stay in just MAPS anabolic, and the reason why... MAPS performance is program number two.
1: That's right. Is
2: we knew that MAPS anabolic is most closely related probably to GVT as far as a lot of the programming is concerned. And if it has a limiting factor, is that we don't incorporate a lot of other planes. No, it's
1: mass, strength, muscle. Uh Uh-oh, I need to move in different directions. Uh Uh-oh, I need to focus on some mobility and some performance different planes because if I don't, I'm not going to keep gaining. I'm not going to keep progressing. In maps performance, if you follow the program, you know there's a special emphasis on different planes of movement. And what's the result of that? Well, you move better, you feel better, you're more athletic, definitely. But here's what people often don't realize that they do at the end of the program: I built more muscle. Oh my gosh, because you've eliminated these limiting, you know, factors. Um, here's another point. This is a big con, and and this is it's almost like you get fooled. If you look at GVT training and you think, oh, it's basic. I'm only doing two or three exercises all right, this is cool. No, you will easily fry your body. If you underestimate this program, I'm telling you right now, 10 sets of 10 reps of squats will fry your body more than 20 sets of a bunch of other leg exercises. So keep that in mind. This will fry your body if you're not careful. And
2: I really think that's mainly because it is really difficult to do two of the main points that we already addressed that they do, which is two reps short of failure. And then also when you're doing 10 sets of something, starting off at 50 to 60% yeah, of right. intensity. Picking adequate weight. Like is people really just, tough. 50, 60% of intensity does not register for most people. If they're on set two or three and they're like, oh, that's really easy, real hard for them not to slap more weight totally. on there. So it takes a lot of discipline to know that, oh, this is going to get progressively more more challenging as we get closer to sets 10. So I'm going to stick with this weight, even though it feels easy right now, that's hard for people. And because of that, they always end up kind of pressing more than they should. I
1: remember a workout that you, that you and Adam did together where you guys went and did squats. I think you put 225 on the bar and Mm -hmm. both you guys decided, let's just do 10 sets of 10. Easy. 10 sets of 10. No problem. By the way, 225 for these guys, 10 reps is easy. Both yeah. of you could squat 405 pounds for a single or whatever. If you had to go as hard as you could for 10 reps, probably be closer to 315. So you picked 225. And I remember because you guys were like on set number seven. Yeah, it was seven. I think is when I had a bail, seven or eight. Yeah, and both of like, you guys were like,
2: uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, this wow. is a- this is really adding up. Yeah. <laughs> and and only were- because we committed to it was I even, because I already, at that point, I think by the time we got to set six, I probably already by six, I knew it was coming, right? And seven, I was like, I'm already well beyond overreaching. Now this is purely ego to prove that I could f- commit, finish what I yeah, committed to. Yeah. But I, it, this would be terrible training right now to to finish the, the yeah, ten and it sets. would fry your body. I remember
1: yeah. you guys came into podcast the next day, and I'm like, why are you guys walking that like that? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. Why are you guys moving funny? Oh, uh, we chose, we decided to do this. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. So you could definitely easily fry your body. So consider that if you follow, you know, something like this. Uh, here's another one. Lack of different angles, but we kind of address that with the different planes of motion. But I'm speaking more from a bodybuilding perspective. One thing that bodybuilding has brought to the muscle building, strength building world is the value of different angles. You know, Arnold used to talk about this all the time. And there definitely is value to it from a muscle hypertrophy perspective, especially as you get more advanced. I don't think this is as important when you first get started, but if you've been working out for a few years, it starts to make a difference to hit your muscle groups from different angles, different elbow positions. When I do curls and different angles when I hit my chest and my back, it starts to make a difference in terms of muscle hypertrophy. And GVT really does lack angles. It's very focused on on a few you know core lifts. Well, that
2: reminds me of another con, which is just just purely the lack of variety in exercises. Yeah, um, because there is so much emphasis on the biggest bang for your buck movements, which should be that way. It does lack a little variety, and that's the thing that it's like what you keep saying. It's boring. It's like, yeah, it, it gets boring, and not having something that you're doing different. Like I remember, what, this is a, again going back to you know applying this to, to clients. As much as I knew, like certain exercises, we should just be doing this all the time for my clients. After a while, they want to feel something different or they want to at least try something different. So you have to kind of learn to sprinkle that in as a coach. I know what the core should be and what I want them to stick to because I know this is going to give them the most benefit. But I also recognize that, yep, we're doing that again today. Yep, we're doing that again today. And you say that enough times to a client, they're like, God, can – we do something different today, so the la- and there's a lot of different exercises that are, are uh, similar to the core and that complementary. Can- that's right. That can complement and or are similar to benefits. Like for for example, always doing a barbell back squat, making sure that you're doing some front squats or a Bulgarian split squat or a walking lunge. I mean, those exercises have tremendous value and big bang for your buck movement. So it lacks in the variety, like yeah. That. And
1: and if you dismiss the you know boredom factor you are you I'm telling you right now you're going to set yourself up for failure because what's the number one reason why people stop working out right eh, it's not exciting anymore so changing it up is very important you actually touched on something Adam that I'll say is is definitely another con which is the lack of unilateral or split stance exercises there's a lot of value in doing that in fact i've trained with strength athletes who were incredibly strong Bilaterally, like could squat 600 pounds, never do a split stance squat, never do walking lunges, could barely do walking lunges with 135 pounds because they had the lack of stability of that split stance. They, they, their, their, their pelvis wasn't strong in that position, that back leg couldn't support them, they were shaking, and it was a huge hole in their performance.
3: Well, yeah, and and it's so important because it highlights the discrepancies from one side to the other. Like, uh, Because there's so many compensations that happen when you're – uh, you know, just focused bilaterally all the time. like you can you can really sort of mask a lot of those uh, compensations and signals you should be paying attention to that are very glaringly obvious when you go to one uh, side versus the other. So uh, and again, this is another to the to the to the previous points of being able to address, Uh, you know, other angles and other things you need to incorporate to build support around the joints. Like, uh, you know, unilateral training does a great
1: job of that. Absolutely. So there you have it. Look, if you like our information, head over to mindpumpfree.com. We have tons of free guides there that can help you build muscle, burn body fat, improve your body composition. Also, of course, we do. Lot, we have lots of workout programs. They're called MAPS workout programs, and there's a lot of them to choose from. You can find those at mapsfitnessproducts.com. And finally, find us all on Instagram. So you can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin, me at Mind Pump Sal, and Adam at Mind Pump Adam.
0: Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com.